You know, that song comes from these verses. It's in Psalm 62, and it says, My soul wait in the silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Amen? And uh, this morning, um, that song just fits perfectly uh, with what's going on. And so this morning, um, I just wanted to share with you, I came up here to, to pray for Bill, who's going to be giving us the message. Um, Bill's mom, Barbara Brown, went to be with Jesus last night. And, um, <laughs> and so uh, if you had the privilege of knowing Barbara Brown, um, you knew she loved Jesus. She was all about Jesus. And um, so this morning, I wanted to come up here because as a church, we're a family. And so we walk through, uh, we grieve with, we love with, uh, we pray for um, when our brother or sister in Christ is, is hurting. And so uh, this morning, um, Bill asked if I would come up and pray for him as he's still going to be delivering the message this morning. So would you guys pray with me this morning for Bill? Lord, um, first, thank you for Barbara. Mm. And thank you that she knew and loved you well. Um, Lord, and thank you that as we speak, she's in the best worship service ever. Um, and Lord, um, I pray that you would surround Bill and his family. Lord, that you would be with them, that you would give them peace, and that you would comfort them in this time, Lord. And uh, Lord, this morning, I pray specifically for Bill that you would give him clarity and that you would give him uh, focus and attention to, um, to bring the message that you've given to him this morning to, to give to us, Lord. Lord, would you use Bill to open our eyes um, to change and be more like you today. Lord, we love you. We give all this to you in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Um, so in the Emmaus community, <clears throat> if anybody's ever been part of the Emmaus community, one of the things that they do is before you speak, you ask somebody to pray for you. Um, for a couple reasons. I think one, to kind of get your thoughts together, collect them, get yourself somewhat comfortable or whatever. But uh, it's another thing of just the idea of, you know, Lord, just push me out of the way. Push me out of the way. Let your Holy Spirit work here. Um, I got nothing left. It's been a long 48, 72 hours. Um, and I don't want to make this about my mother. Um, she would kick my butt if I did. She'd say, what are you talking about me for? You got to talk about the Savior who saved me. So I plan on, that will be the general focus, most of the focus of the sermon. But I do want to start just with a little piece about my mom so you understand kind of where we've been because it kind of leads me to why I'm in Hebrews and which why we're going to be in Hebrews. Um, Frank has said it multiple times. I fully agree with him. It's not about the Patriots, by the way. Um, but the... <laughs> But the greatest sermons a preacher could preach are the sermons that were meant for us, right? So as I've been churning through Hebrews this summer, I constantly have just been thinking, okay, Lord, okay, I get it. You're talking to me, and you want me to share that, but you're still talking to me. So, but let me, let me share with you a little bit about where my mom was. So in August of 2016, uh, we noticed that my mom had begun missing things. She... Uh, had a hard time remembering people's names and love her. She would just chalk it up to, oh, it's just old age. Well, okay, mom, I get that, but something's not right. So 
we took her to a um, doctor in Westminster, and she was diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia. Um, I'm not going to go into all the dementias here, but uh, it is a very aggressive, uh, fast-moving dementia. So August, she's diagnosed. November, October, we took her car away. Um, And then later, uh, beginning of 2017, she now moves in with us. Uh, And by August, we put her into Homewood at Plum Creek in Hanover. Now, I don't, would not normally give many plugs for a place, but Homewood at Plum Creek in Hanover, there are so many believers in that place, folks, it would blow your mind. Blow your mind. The way they have loved on my mom and my family, and it's just, it's unbelievable. I'm standing here as part of that because they were able to lift me up. We walked in, Molly and I walked in, and this lady said to Molly and I, she goes, the Holy Spirit was in this room last night. When we were praying for your mom, the Holy Spirit was just moving amongst us. And I thought, man, no other place for her to be. So we get a call on Friday. Now think about this. My mom is eating and watching a movie Thursday night. Friday morning, she says, but, sorry, pardon me. She couldn't speak anymore. She was doing yes or no, but she was like, I don't want to get out of bed. So they left her in bed. Well, they found out that she had a little bit of uh, fluid around her heart. And long story short, the Lord took her on 6.50 on Saturday night with congestive heart failure. The doctors and the nurse said, especially the nurse, Molly Wright, the lady that was talking about the Holy Spirit, she goes, your church, you all must have been praying this because nobody dies that fast that way. My prayer has been the whole time, Lord, just take her home. She cannot wait to be home with my dad, obviously, but she could not wait to thank her Lord and Savior for all that he has done for her in her life. Now, I don't know when we're going to do our memorial. We're hoping to do it next week or in the next week or so, and I'll talk more about that in her then, but I mean it. She would want me talking about Jesus. That's what she would want me to do. She was about Jesus. She loved Jesus. She loved the people that she came in contact with about Christ. Especially with the first service, I saw so many ladies in here that either had been part of my mom's life in her journey of when she came to know the Lord, or a lot of the women in here, a lot of the younger ladies, are ladies that my mom had poured into. We're going to talk today about that we are to persevere. We're going to look at Hebrews, and we're going to look at the idea that we are, there's a charge for us to persevere, for us to hang on, for us not to drift away. And my mom stayed true to that. She could not say a word, and every Sunday, she would take her little, <laughs> her, uh, her little cart, she'd lift up the flap, she'd put her Bible in it, and she'd work her way down the chapel. I don't know if she understood what was happening, but I know she still believed that it was in Christ that she was to hold on to. I believe that, wholeheartedly believe that. So we're going to kind of walk through that. Now, I am sure I'm not the only one here who's going through something. Amen to that? Okay. 
I can tell you right now that no matter what you do, no matter what you decide, no matter how much you want to be in control, he has absolutely got you. He has you. He has you in the palm of his hands. He is fully in control, even though there were many times this Sunday that I was like, are you kidding me, Lord? I got a better plan than this. And I'm sure he was just smiling down like, William Brown, you're, just, you're a little flea, like the cow that moves his tail. Come on, I've got this. I've got her. I've got you. I've got your family. So folks, we have a call to persevere. Life is tough. We live in a fallen world, and at times it falls all over us, and it hurts. I've seen a lot of people, and I've done it. I'm right there with you. Woo! Glad 2017's over. Well, folks, that's just a date. Life is tough. And we will constantly be facing things. It has nothing to do with whether God loves us or doesn't love us. We live in a really broken world. And the more and more as I get older, the more and more I realize how broken it is. So let us take a little bit of a Hebrews journey that I took this past summer as the Lord brought me to some places in Hebrews that were just great, wonderful truth and reminders that He is good, He never changes, I do all the time, but He still got me. Now, we don't have enough time for me to preach through Hebrews. I know you probably want to be home, even though your ravens are not in the Super Bowl. Um, but anyway, so how about if you do this? Why don't you open up your Bibles, and we're going to start in the second chapter of Hebrews. And by the way, if you need a Bible, there are Bibles in the back out, outside the exit doors, uh, and somebody will be more than happy to help you. Okay? So, let's start here. Hebrews 2.1. So, the writer of Hebrews, why did he write this book? Anybody know? The Jews were being persecuted. They were starting to wonder if what they were trying to believe was really true. They were questioning their faith. A lot of them were going back to their old faith. I mean, think about it. When we're in the midst of a storm, in the eye of the storm, right? Great song to be sung. At times, we kind of go, you know what? I, I'm going to take care of this myself. I think that's probably what was happening here too, okay? So, the writer of Hebrews says this. Right off the bat, chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Anybody here feel like, what are those buoys? Those things that bounce around in the water? Anybody ever feel like that? And the waves are just kind of tossing you back and forth? Folks, if, the, if God's Word says that we have... Uh, what's it say? So that we do not drift away. He knows that we're going to have a tendency to want to drift away. See, in my mom's dementia battle, I couldn't fix her. I couldn't stop the problem. There were times where she was really frustrating too because she couldn't tell me what was wrong and so forth. 
And there were times that, I'm going to be honest, don't kick me out of the church now, shaking my fist at the Lord like, what are you doing? What are you doing, Lord? How are you letting this happen? And I had a tendency over the summer to just drift away. I don't want to deal with that anymore. See, that is what the enemy's telling us. Well, if you can't control the problem, you should get rid of the problem. You don't need those kind of problems. Well, you know, I know looking back, most of the things that I've gone through that the Lord has brought me to, there's been some type of change in me, right? We've all been there, a greater change in us. So we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have learned so that we, don't, we do not drift away. So one of the ways that we can persevere, the idea of a call to persevere with Jesus and all that he provides, we persevere by not drifting away. We hold strongly to the truths and the wisdom and the knowledge that the Lord has given us. So let's look at the end of chapter 12 at the last verse. Because here's a wonderful truth for us to hang on to about Christ and the idea of perseverance. So we're going to look at Hebrews 2, uh, 18, I think. I don't, yeah, 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. I think at times we forget that Jesus has gone through what we've gone through, right? Shortest verse in the Bible. What is it, folks? Jesus wept, right? So last night, when I'm crying with Molly and the rest of the family, Jesus had wept. He had lost a good friend, right? He has gone through the things we have gone through. And more importantly, he has been tempted the way we've been tempted. See, I think some of the times we immediately talk about, when we talk about temptation and sin, we talk about you know, alcohol, food, uh, adultery, all types of things. But you know, one of the other ways that we're tempted is self-centeredness, selfishness, that we can do this better than God can do this, right? All ways that we've been tempted. All ways that Christ has been tempted. So we have to remember that when we turn to Christ, we are turning to somebody that has gone through what we have gone through before. One of the beautiful things about this journey was meeting all the other families that were dealing with dementia and Alzheimer themselves. God brought all those people into our lives. Different stories, but similar stuff we were all going through. Now, let's look at chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. So we learn in Hebrews, and again, I don't have enough time to unpack it. We learn that Jesus is the highest of highest priests. He was higher than Aaron. He was higher than the Jewish priest before him. He's higher than the priest now. He's higher than the priest that will come. Okay? We are to fix our on him. My dad's favorite passage was, and again, I'm a little brain dead today. I haven't slept a lot, sorry. Philippians 4, 8. What does that say? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, 
Whatever is praiseworthy, think of such things. See, in times of in the eye of the storm, we tend to put our focus on the storm, not the maker, right? We tend to think, I'm never going to overcome this. You're right, you're not going to. But with Christ, you can. That's who we are to fix our thoughts on. We fix our thoughts on our great high priest. So now, one more big passage, and then we'll get to our final passage. I promise you, I'll get you out of here by two. Um, So, let's look at Hebrews 4, 14 to the end, okay? To the end of 4, sorry. Wonderful truth, folks. Remember, we are not called to persevere on our own. If anybody would like to meet me after church and explain to me the passage that says, we are to do this on our own, we should be by ourselves, we don't need any help, I'd love to hear that passage, because I've never read that. A little sarcasm for you. Even though I gave it up for New Year's. <laughs> we'll say it's good sarcasm. Molly, is there good sarcasm? Just kidding. Okay, so Jesus, the great high priest. Listen to the wonderful truth in this part. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Uh, Sorry, I lost. Just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace, listen to this word, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How's your confidence right now? I'm going to be honest. My confidence was really shaken over the summer. How could a God who loves us so much let this happen? Right? Folks, as I said in the last group, I'm, a, I'm not a preacher. I'm a counselor. That's what I do. I love talking to people about this kind of stuff. I love sharing life with others. We're all thinking the same things. God, why are you letting this happen? I thought you were a good God, right? We say stupid stuff like that. I questioned a lot why God would let this happen. And I was reminded, again, I'm telling you, that's why he put me back in Hebrews. I just kept getting reminded over and over again. What's the scripture say? How do we renew our minds? Not by reading magazines, not by watching television, not by listening to the radio. We renew our minds with God's word, his word to us. So I got back into his word. I started chewing. I started, oh my gosh, I forgot how wonderful he is. I forgot that Christ went through what I'm going through. He's got me. He absolutely has me. And even though it's hard for me and my family and those who knew my mom, she would not come back here in a million years if she was given the option. Now she might go, I'd like everybody else to come back up with me right now. But there's no way she'd come. What's the temperature right now? No way in a million years. She'd be, oh my gosh. 
She'd go, where's the space heater, William? Go get me the space heater. It's cold. There's no way she would come back. She is with the great high priest who loves her, who went through everything that she went through. Now, let us land where I'm trying to get us. And that is Hebrews 10. So let's look to Hebrews 10, and we're going to look at uh, 19 through... I'm going to put my glasses on. Sorry, folks. We're going to start in verse 19. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to point out some truths that I hope that you all could take, maybe even jot down if you want to, and just take them with you. Because I think the thing that is so important, and I could be wrong. Look, I'm not the greatest theologian or whatever in the world. If God's bringing you to it, He obviously has the strength, the power, and everything to get you through it, right? Why would, I mean, He says He would not leave you alone. So, let's read this together. Therefore, brothers, verse 19, chapter 10, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Here's the word I love. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Christ is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the day more as you see the day approaching. Now let's move over to verse 35 and we're going to finish out the chapter. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. And the final verse, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who believe and are saved. Let us hold unswervingly. Love that word. I don't think I'll ever use it in a sentence again, but I do love it. It just sounds right there, doesn't it? Now, so let me hit you with all the passages we've looked at in Hebrews. And folks, I'm serious. Frank can tell you, we could, we could spend a year in Hebrews, honestly. There's so much wonderful truth there. But I think there's just things that Lord, that God gave me to help me with my confidence in Him, to help me to be able to lean on Him and so forth. So let me, let me throw some things at you, just maybe some little nuggets for you to take away. In the passages we looked at, what does it say He provides? First of all, He provides us with truth, knowledge, and wisdom, which will give us confidence. Folks, we are called to have confidence. And that confidence helps you to hold on to what you need to hold on to. So, let me give you this example. So, if you have confidence that the sun's going to come up tomorrow, right? And you want to see 
the sunrise, I was about to say sunset, sorry, the sunrise, you're going to get up in the morning, you're going to be like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to hold on. I know the sun's going to come. Folks, we are to have that same confidence in Christ. We are to have that same confidence that just like the sun, he's going to come back again. Either take us home like he did my mom, or come get us and take us home that way. We are to have that confidence. He gives us himself and all that he knows and all that he has gone through. It says uh, in, that, in uh, chapter 10, the body, his body and the blood. He shed it on the cross for all of us. The deal is, we've got to put our faith and say yes to him. He is approachable because we are, draw, we are called to draw near to him. Why would God put in here, draw near to that pillar? Draw near to that chair? He doesn't say that. He says, draw near to me. By saying that, there is the assumption, the reality, that he is approachable. He is faithful. Who here believes he is faithful? I tell you, I think about my life and the stupid stuff and how at times I'm, I've been unfaithful to him and just how faithful he is to us. Folks, that helps us to persevere. That the faithful one, the promise keeper, he is the ultimate promise keeper. He doesn't break a promise. If he says something's going to happen, folks, you can pretty much bank on it, right? He will reward us. Isn't that amazing? He will reward us for having confidence and so forth. Now, make sure you don't leave here with a works-based message. That's not what I'm saying. What Christ did on the cross, it's done. You've put your faith in him, it's done. What he's talking about here is the idea of growth and becoming more like him and so forth. He provides for us. He provides others. He provides all the knowledge and wisdom that we need. Not that he has, but all the knowledge that we need. He doesn't give us all his knowledge. We're not God. At times, we wish he gave us all the knowledge he had. But in reality, we really don't want that. So what are we called to do? We're called to have confidence. We're, call, we're called to draw near to him. See, one of the things that I have learned over 49 years, soon to be 50 years, by the way, August 13th, 1968, my address is 3780 in case you want to send presents. I like cash. Okay. But I have learned, and it's hard. This is a thick skull, folks. He does not change. It is me that changes. Everybody understand that? He is who he says he is. He is faithful. He's a promise keeper. He's loving. He's compassionate. He's caring. Keep going. Okay? It's me that changes. So when I'm going, Lord, where are you? Most likely, it's me. It's not him. He's going, I'm right here. Why not have faith and confidence in me? Right? So we are to draw near. We must do it with a sincere heart, with full assurance of our faith. We must hold, there's my word again, unswervingly to the hope that we must also profess. Folks, we must look different than those around us. 
We must meet with each other. We're gonna, I'm going to end with that. Let us encourage one another. Don't throw away our confidence. We need to persevere, and we are to believe, and he will save us. So let me address the last piece. Frank is getting ready to take us on a journey, five or six weeks, I think, on what we are called to be as a church and what our mission is going to be and so forth. And, um, and I apologize. I hope I haven't already said this. You know, when you do services, you, you forget. So when this originally came about, Frank said to me, hey, can you preach on January 14th? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. You know, it always sounds good on paper in November. Oh, yeah, no problem. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, what am I supposed to preach on? And Frank did the worst thing you can do to a preacher. And you get to pick the su- subject. Are you kidding me? Just tell me I'm supposed to preach Galatians 6, 1 through 2 or something. Okay? And I said, well, you know, I'm taking this journey. The Lord's got me on this journey, you know, with mom and Hebrews. And, you know, really, I just need to stay strong in faith and so forth. And I said, but I think there's this call in there that I'd like to address with the church about how we are to care for each other. How we are to be the church. Frank, big smile, goes, man, that would be perfect because that would exactly set us up for where I'm taking us. So here's how I want to end. Somebody said to me, you know, I'm really surprised you're here today. And they didn't mean any harm by it. And I thought, where else would I be? Y'all are my family. There is no other place I'd rather be And there is no other story I'd rather share than about a loving mother and a loving God and how I often say my mom prayed me into this spot right here. Five years, her and dad prayed for me to finally accept who God had wired me to be and who he wanted me to be. And I finally said yes. But as a church, folks, We're called to encourage. And the one word in there that's really important to understand, it says to spur one another. So any of my any horse fans in here? What's a spur do on the back of your boot that it does with the horse? It gets the horse moving. We are to help each other to move forward, folks. It's not just about, hey, I'm going to sit here in your pain with you and so forth. Now there's a, trust me, they've got a counselor up here. It's all about loving on somebody in their pain. But the important part is, and it's exactly what our, kind of our hashtag is or whatever for the counseling ministry, we care and counsel, Christ cures. It is our job, folks, as brothers and sisters in Christ to spur one another to lovingly give him a kick, okay? Now, it doesn't mean that I can't grieve that my mom passed away. It doesn't mean that I can't shed tears. It, can't, it doesn't mean that I can't feel this deep pain of a woman, a lady who loved me for 49 years, and boy, did she have to put up with a lot of junk, But we are called to spur one another, arm around each other, love each other. There's a 
there's a uh, clip from Lord of the Rings. I was going to use it, but I, I find the clips and it, I tend to, they go wrong for me at times. You know, you never know. But there's a, there's a scene in there where uh, Fredo and Sam are going up the hill. Fredo's carrying the ring. And Fredo's like, I can't go any farther. And Sam says, well, Mr. Fredo, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. Folks, there is nobody here that can carry the burden that I'm feeling right now about my mom. But you can all stand beside me. And, that's, and I'm not making it about me. Because there's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain in this room. We are called arm in arm to love each other, carry each other. That's how we persevere. We don't persevere by ourselves. I hear so many men that come to me for counseling and they're like, man, if I could just get away. If I could get away, things would be better. Really? How well is it working for you now trying to think by yourself? We are called to persevere with all that Christ has provided us. We've talked about that today. His knowledge. Understanding what His will is for our lives. Understanding how much He loves us. Understanding the truth that He has been through what we have been through. And lastly, we are called to persevere as a church, as a body of Christ. If Jesus wanted us to do this by ourselves, we'd all be in little cages like rats. And God would be a scientist like an experiment guy moving things around. That's not the way he designed this. He designed it for us to encourage one another, link arms, love each other, and spur each other on to be more Christ-like. And my kids hate hearing me. I say it all the time. For his glory. Not for us, folks. It's for his glory. So if you are struggling with something today, if you're feeling hurt and pain, Jesus is the one that's going to help you through it. I am not standing up here by any strength of my own. I wanted to stay home. I wanted to curl up on the couch. I wanted to kind of be left alone. But when I really thought about it in a lot of prayer, this is where God had me, my family, the church that he has put in front of me, and the friends. And I mean, it's just it's the way it's supposed to be, folks. So let us continue to spur one another on, encourage one another, and let us not drift away and hold unswervingly to the truth that we've learned in Hebrews. Let us pray. Well, Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the strength that you've given me, Father. Selfishly saying, Father, just thank you. Father, thank you for taking my mom home. No more pain. Her brain is working right. Everything, Father, I thank you for that. Father, I thank you for my church family, Lord. I thank you for the love, the compassion that we have for each other, Father. May we spur each other on for good deeds. May we spur each other on in our times of pain and sorrow. May we encourage each other. May we love each other. May we be a church, Father, that people say when they run into us, I don't know what it is about those people from Uniontown, but they're different. There is something that's different about them. May we have the strength and the courage to look at them straight in the eye and say, it's because of Jesus Christ. 
Thank you, Father. We love you, and we lift this entire day up to you, Father. May everything we do be for your glory. In your holy name, amen.